Hey everybody, producer Eric here jumping in with a quick note at the beginning of this episode. This episode was recorded before Andrew McCutcheon signed a new deal with the Pittsburgh Pirates. So Rob and Alex will talk about him at some point during the episode and just know that that happened right after they recorded. So there you go. Enjoy the show. What is up, guys? This is Rob Pearsall, joined by my lovely co-host Alex Carigliano Michelli. And this is the Mets Legends cast. I, of course, can be found on Twitter at RT Pearsall. And Alex can be found on Twitter at Seltzer underscore Poppy. Alex, how are you doing today? Rob, I am doing fantastic. I just came back from the chiropractor and the needle person, whatever you call that thing. And I am feeling fantastic. That's great. You got some acupuncture today. Is that what happened? Yeah, acu- I got acupuncture, and then with the double whammy, got my first chiropractor appointment. And I'm I'm telling you, my my brother, when 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 that homie had his had his hands around my neck and just snapped my neck a little bit, ooh, I feel like it's it's those types of moments where you wish you had a cowboy hat and a gun, and you could just shoot off and wave your hat around like, woo, yeah, because <laughs> that that felt good. I love the chiropractor. I would go to the chiropractor every single day if I was able to. I love it. Today I got a root canal. That's what I was up to today. Dog, how you uh, you are recording right now and you had a root canal today. Yeah, my mouth's a little bit sore, but it wasn't too bad. I mean, it was just time intensive. I was there for like four hours today. So. Time intensive. Rob Pearsall is tougher than the Marines. Yeah, man. It is what it is. I've had this really gnarly cavity that so i thought it was a good idea to stop going to the dentist at one point because i was Mm. like hey i had braces for four years and once i got them off i was like i'm not going to the dentist anymore that was dumb because then i got a big old cavity in my mouth and now i'm paying for it both monetarily and emotionally so got a root canal today was there for like four hours it was not very fun it was the first root canal i ever got so I could kind of cross that off my bucket list because I've always wanted to get a root canal, of course, clearly. <laughs> but yeah, got that done. Going to have some lentil soup after we're done recording. I'm really looking forward to that. Ooh, lentil soup. I love lentil soup. So yeah, I'm a little bit kind of procrastinating a bit because obviously, as every Mets fan who's not living under a rock knows, Carlos Correa is not a New York Met. He will not be a New York Met. And our friendship with Carlos Correa has ended. Carlos Correa signed with the Minnesota Twins after the Mets and him were involved in talks for the last three weeks. It just didn't culminate. The Mets clearly had some issues with his physical, just like the Giants did. And he took a six-year, $200 million deal with the Minnesota Twins with four vesting options for the four years after the six-year deal is up. So it could max out at 10 years which I think really for the Twins is a great deal. He's getting a higher annual value, but for six years and the vesting options, how could you really, really say no to that? It, it's a fantastic deal for the Twins. They're not a free agent destination, even though I feel like the Twin Cities, Minnesota, I feel like that's a place I'd love to visit. I hear that Minneapolis is one of those kind of premier cities uh, um, out there. And it's just a huge get for them to – to know that they were going to be outbid. They originally had their their offer on the table. Then he goes to the 
Giants with a record-setting deal, then gets nixed, and then goes to the Mets with a record-setting deal, then gets uh, nixed, and then just kind of winds up back with the Twins. I mean, they really made out pretty well here, especially with this shorter-term deal. It is weird. Like, can you imagine if, like, the Mets had Francisco Lindor, like they had traded for Francisco Lindor prior to the 2021 season, and then they didn't extend him. He hits free agency, signs with the Dodgers, and then the deal falls through with them, and then he signs with like the Phillies or something like that, and then that falls through with them, and then he finds his way back to the Mets. It would just be weird. Like I wonder how – obviously the fans are going to be completely fine with it. I'm sure they're happy, but – it's a little weird, right? Because it's like he, like the Twins clearly weren't his first choice. It was they're his third choice at this point, and he really he wouldn't be going back there if either the Giants or the Mets deal came to fruition, of course. But I guess for him, it's one of those things where at least he has the comfortability with Minnesota. He played there last year. There's some exciting players on that team. You know, Byron Buxton, and they have Joe Ryan, and some other guy Jorge Polanco. So. I don't think the Twins are really going to be very competitive, but at least for them, it gives it gives. And then one of my one of my really good friends is a Twins fan, so I'm I'm happy for him, and I'm That's happy fun. that yeah, I'm happy that he gets to have Correa again, uh, you know, from a fan standpoint. But uh, I thought it was pretty funny, Alex. So I had posted a GIF, actually not a GIF, a video on the Mets Legends Twitter account, where it was like it was that kid from the show the scared Beyond Street. Scared Straight, yeah. And the guards like run into the room and are like telling him to wake up and he's like so out of sorts and like crying. <laughs> and the caption was, uh, Todd Frazier, you better like you better get ready when the deal falls through with Correa. It was, yeah, it was it's like Todd Frazier. The Mets waking Todd Frazier up at or calling him out of retirement when the Carlos Correa deal falls through. And then Todd Frazier actually responded to us and said I'm already. I'm always ready. Let's go with the laughing emoji. So I thought that was really funny. He kind of left us on red there when we asked him to get on the pod, but maybe he's probably just uh, checking it over with all um, with everyone involved in his life and his agents, making sure that everything's all clean. Oh man, is this a safe pod to go on to? I'm really nervous. These guys are really intense. I don't want to. I don't want to disappoint the Mets legends community. I'm sure he's just talking it over. He'll get back to us. Yeah, I'd also, love to have Todd, uh, the Todd father on the pod, the, yeah. on the, uh, the Todd father on the pod father, the pod father. I think that probably what happened too is that cause he got, he got like three or 400 likes and he also has like 250,000 followers. So truthfully, the notification might've just gotten buried in the midst of all that. So I think True. if I reached back out at some point, it would be okay. But yeah, yeah, so Carlos Correa is not going to be a Met. I think it's a bit of a bummer just because that would have really been the icing on the cake. As we said so many times, I really felt like Carlos Correa was the missing piece from that offense. And now I don't think the Mets are going to make a big splash because there's no one really out there free agent-wise. But also a team knows that if the Mets were to call them up, it's because the Correa deal fell through and they're clearly going to want the Brett Beatty's of the world in a deal or the Francisco Alvarez's of the, deal, of the world in the deal. So I don't think that move's coming. I think that the Mets at this point will probably just round out their roster, which is fine. I I think that the Mets had a good team before they signed Correa. Correa was kind of just that like above and beyond type move. I think the Mets are still a good team, but now it's like you're going to see more 
supplemental moves be made than a star. Like Shoyatani is not going to be acquired via trade right now. Brian Reynolds, the Pirates are probably going to want too much for. So unless someone falls into their lap, I don't think the Mets are getting a big, big name player for the offense at this point. Yeah, you know, there's there's a part of me that's relieved in all of this. I when I heard about Correa, I think even I mean, my first reaction was holy shit. And then I think my second reaction might have been I hope that doesn't take us out of Otani next year. You know, like there's that famous uh, old Wilpon quote or it might have even been Steinbrenner, I forget, with uh, you can't have like more than one 30 million dollar players on your roster. And we would have had three already. We would have had four already with Correa. And then to go after Otani next year, and I think that would have really set off like a weird chain of events where they find some, install some new rules to handcuff Cohen or something because that just would have been too mighty for the sport. And I, I have a mighty hunger for Otani. I really want them to go all in. I'm sure, and I'm not... I'm not breaking ground here by expressing this opinion. So, and also, I was listening to the Michael K show, which uh, it has its good days and bad days. Michael K could be a real blowhard sometimes. I feel like he's uh, an intelligent person who's also incredibly emotionally unintelligent. But he mentioned hearing from a source in the Mets or uh, who had seen the medicals and said that they were exp- they had expressed the opinion that they think that they would have gotten four years out of Correa before his uh, before his Correa before his ankle went. That before was, his career oh, was over. Before his nice, right? That nice. was not bad. That was not bad. Nice, Rob. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, but before his ankle would have exploded, and it would have actually been a career-ending type of thing too. Like where the next operation would have been to just give him a normal life and not like up to up to playing speed. And so when you look at the, the, the career deal for the twins, you get six years and you know, he's 28. So you're probably thinking you get a good four maximum five great years where you're like, yeah, this is what we paid for on the contract before you get the inevitable tail off that you get in any free agent deal. So, I mean, it really is a good deal for the twins. I, I think they, they met out really well. They got a good contract there. A good, great player. I think he's going to bring up... There's a lot of professionalism that comes with Correa. I think it's going to make everyone else around him better. I th- I do think the Twins, they're like that high variability team where they, they won the Central just a few years ago and broke the home the single-season home run record. That was, you know, during the, during the juice ball years. And I think they've kind of been one of those teams to really come back to earth after after the ball was flattened but i think they'll be up there they really have don't have great pitching but the al central just like how both central divisions in in major leagues are, is pretty weak i personally i still think it's going to go back to the guardians their pitching is just too good but i could see the twins uh kind of having a really great season the white Sox too but i think they're shallow everywhere like they have a lot of good stars but i don't think they really have um anyone after them should anyone get hurt Mm -hmm. yeah i think that like we said correa to the twins is i'm happy for the twins i'm glad that he didn't just go to the dodgers after all this was said and done or the yankees obviously i would have liked to see him play for the mets 
But after three weeks of this going on where it was they were kind of at an impasse, I think it was kind of on the back of every Mets fan's head that there was a, po- a real possibility that this deal wasn't going to go through. And, yeah, it's a bummer. But I think that at least we know now that the Mets are going to spend, they're going to be aggressive, and that they're going to – really be in it for every major free agent, at least in the short term, while they build out their minor league farm system. So, yeah, and I love Otani. I, I know I think every baseball fan loves Otani. I'm sure that he's going to have a lot of suitors next winter. He might, he might even be traded at the deadline this year, especially the Angels are in such a weird spot because they're not going to be good again. They're not. I, I mean, they're maybe they'll be better than last year a little bit. But the Angels are – they're not a, a stacked team. They're currently being sold. They're for sale. And and Otani's a free agent at the end of next year. So it really – if they're out of it by June, you might see a Juan Soto type situation where he where Otani gets traded away. And if the Mets could trade – even if they trade Alvarez or Beatty for him midseason, if they get him and then they're able to extend him, I'm fine with giving up either one of those guys from an outside perspective obviously. I don't know. I mean, yes, yes. Obviously, that's because you're getting an elite pitcher and you're getting that elite middle-of-the-order bat that we had been looking for. A lot more home run power than than Correa. I mean, you know, way better. And it gives you that exclusive negotiating window during that time that we got with, uh, with Lindor when we traded for him. So... I mean, maybe that's worth it. I'm just, I'm one of those weird believers in in Alvarez and and Beatty, really based off of nothing. I, I don't, I don't keep that much track of the minors. We have friends, um, like shout out Jack Ramsey, who really pay attention to the minors and are really plugged in to that type of stuff. But I just really think they could do something. I saw Alvarez's uh, first big league homer. I was there that day. I think Samson was there with us. So that was that was really cool, but anyway, I, you know, I, I'd be I'd be hard pressed for that. I really hope he doesn't get traded strictly because I don't want him going to someone who's going to compete with us. And the Angels are going to be in town in August, and I'm definitely buying tickets for whenever, whatever day that he might pitch. If if that falls on one of those days, because I want to see Otani in person. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to see Otani in person. He's like Mike Trout. I remember when I saw the, I saw the Yankees play the Angels one time, and yeah, Mike Trout was it was it's just like one of those players that you're going to tell your kids about, your grandkids about seeing them in person. Yeah, so, right. But I, I think it's it's yeah, it's difficult because the Mets farm system is not there yet, and but if you have a chance to acquire an Otani. You do have to give up to get. And yeah. truthfully, I mean, Beatty and Alvarez are highly touted, but they are relatively unknown. Um, and so, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah. But at this point, obviously, you have to shift away from the Correa deal. You got to put that on the back burner. It's not happening. So, and the Mets know this, obviously. So they have to shift their attention. And a couple of reports came out on today, which is Wednesday. And just so you guys know, too, just a side note, we will be releasing the podcast on Saturdays. 
We record Wednesday night, usually Alex and I, and then our buddy Eric Ames. You should follow him as well on Twitter. His handle, I believe, is just at Eric Ames, E-R-I-C-A-M-E-S. He edits our podcast, and so Saturdays it'll be up. But also post like fun uh, videos of him drumming and a lot of recipes mm-hmm. with his with his girlfriend, and he just seems like a re- he's a really cool rad dude. We love Eric. Eric's a great guy. So so Rob, who were you saying that the Mets were were looking at right now? Thank you, Alex. I did lose my train of thought there. Uh, earlier today, John Heyman of the New York Post released an article saying the Mets are interested in Andrew McCutcheon and Andy Martino of SNY said that the Mets are interested in Adam Duvall and Trey Mancini. So it makes sense. Those are really the top three guys that are left on the open market at this point. And I did write an article about all three, so I do have their kind of backgrounds a little bit fresh in my mind. And I got to say, I think that McCutcheon is the guy that I really want to see play for the Mets. And then beyond that, probably Adam Duvall. I don't think Trey Mancini really fits well with this team he plays first base he plays a little bit of outfield but really i think he would just be clogging up the bench and also mancini's not he's a good player he's not a difference maker and wasn't that good for the astros after they traded for him last year yeah i mean he obviously mancini's had a really difficult trajectory he's a cancer survivor he missed time he's got a he's very resilient as a person for him to even be playing the game. I, I will always root for him, but I just don't think he really fits with the current construction of this team. And then you kind of, so you're kind of looking at McCutcheon and, and Duvall who both are right-handed headers. They could both be a part of a platoon with Daniel Vogelbach and both guys play decent outfield Duvall a little bit more. So he's a little bit better in the field, but Andrew McCutcheon had a, had a decent year in left field last year. He had, I think five defensive runs saved. He had two outs above average from baseball savant. So, and truthfully, I think that the, like just in this few hours since this news is broke, I've kind of sold myself on McCutcheon. I like him a lot as a player. He's someone who I think would be a really good veteran presence in the locker room. But beyond that, I think that he would be a really good platoon partner with Vogelback, could play outfield. And I was looking at his 2021 numbers, and he absolutely demolished left-handed pitching in 2021. So just a year removed from that, his OPS against lefties was like over 1,000 in Ooh. 2021. So I would be more than okay with extending McCutcheon an offer. I, I, I would love to root for him, and maybe you get – I don't know, maybe you catch lightning in a bottle, you get a little bit of a late career resurgence with him. Or maybe he just has a really good year. But I, McCutcheon's such an easy guy to root for. I'd really like to see him play for the Mets. McCutcheon's historically one of my favorite non-Mets. It was always Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Andrew McCutcheon, um, and I guess Mike Trout, Otani now. And I always kind of liked Rendon. He's, he looks really cool up there. At the plate, it'd be it'd be really interesting for the Angels. I don't know why I'm talking about the Angels, but it'd be really interesting for them to see what their lineup looks like if they get an actual full season of good Rendon of what Rendon of the Rendon that they signed. But McCutcheon, I don't know about those numbers. I didn't realize that he was still producing even at that clip. Obviously, he's fallen off from his MVP years, but man, do I love McCutcheon. He's a very intelligent player too. So not only would he 
you know, like you said, you said he'd be a good locker room guy. I think he'd be a good influence. I love to see him. What what his effect could be on players like Brett Beatty, other young guys. He's you know he he has this one Players Tribune article that he shared uh, while I was in college over seven years ago now I'm sure, but really really talks about his journey towards getting really noticed in the major leagues. How most most kind of top high school players and younger really they make their bread and bones. Bread and bones is definitely not the term. Make their bones or bread and butter, and I combined it. They make their bread and butter bones on those travel teams, and those travel teams cost a lot of money. Baseball is a really expensive sport. I, I I coach at a very like poor school. Like we're not like a super poor school, but but we are. It's hard to get funding, especially in the Bronx, and all of our students don't have money they're all like reduced lunch free lunch and to ask them to be like yeah you know you need gloves you need shoes you need you know get yourself pants don't lose your hat uh if you want to get a bat you know and i really did a lot of like try to my own fundraising really spent a lot of my own money trying to get a lot of extra baseball gear for them to use so that i don't have to put that pressure on them to automatically have to buy something right away. And McCutcheon was one of those middle school, high school players. And he wrote this whole article like, yeah, base, we have to fix this issue in baseball, highlighting the decreasing number of black players in baseball like year after year. I think a few years ago, it reached its like lowest levels in like 40 years. Well, this was, wasn't this the first World Series in like forever where there was no black players? No, I didn't even read that. That's crazy, and and that and that just underlines the point. And so he was talking about how he's come. He comes from this you know, poor neighborhood, and he can't get himself buy himself equipment or pay for the travel league dues. And he said pretty much he he had to, and a lot of other players like him had to rely on a sponsor, someone a, a generous, you know, family, literally dad type of dude who noticed him felt bad and and paid for his travel league dues and paid for his equipment and if not for that if not for the generosity of someone else he wouldn't be in the major leagues he wouldn't be the Andrew McCutcheon that we know today and i mean this could be an issue a whole conversation on a future pod or something it's something i feel very strongly about about major leagues trying to fund these little leagues and high school leagues and travel teams it, much more they could be doing so much uh definitely would love to see like the cohen foundation or something do that for local teams but that's hard and he expressed all of that so eloquently in his players tribune post and i I've, I've kind of really loved him ever since then and having a voice like that in the locker room he could really bring out more leadership too and some of our younger guys i think pete is still working on being a better leader he's getting better at his interviews I think Lindor was kind of shoved into that leadership role in his first year with the Mets, and it really wore on him because he felt like pressure to be in front of the mic every day and answer those questions. And I think he's also gotten a lot better at that. And I think some having having the type of leadership skills of a McCutcheon who could really give that eloquent interview for those position players. Like, yeah, I think Scherzer's that guy for all the all the Mets pitchers in the house and Verlander is going to really add to that. 
And McCutcheon could do that for the position players. I really think, I hope they go after him. I really do. I feel really strongly about that. I think, yeah, I mean, a lot of old guys, you know, definitely one of the oldest teams in the league, but I, I mean, they're just going to be so great and influential for all the younger players and them coming up. Uh, this could really be a special team. Yeah, I, I love Andrew McCutcheon too. And he's someone who I think a lot of people forget how good he was when he was in his prime. I mean, 10 years ago, he was one of the best players in the league. And you're not going to get a perennial MVP candidate with him anymore. But I don't think you really need him to be. I think that the Mets really just need to – because last year it's like they didn't really have that fourth outfielder. I mean, they got Tyler Naquin at the trade deadline. He was fine, but he got kind of overexposed where he was playing all the time. But other than that, it's like the more outfielders, the better, truthfully, because I think that beyond – if there was some McCutcheon, like Khalil Lee is, is, your, is your option right now if anyone gets hurt. And – he didn't really look super great when he's been up in the past. He hasn't really kind of lived up to, I think, what the Mets thought he could be. So I'm more than okay with bringing in a veteran guy like McCutcheon who could spell Mark Canna sometimes, could DH, could slide into the field. So, yeah, I'm fine with it. And um, even Duvall I would be okay with. I, he he can muscle up on some pitches. He strikes out a lot, but I don't think it really matters so much because the Mets don't really strike out a lot. So if you have a guy like him, it's not the worst thing in the world. But mm-hmm. and he's got some he's got some good power. So really out of the three, I really just don't think Mancini fits very well. So either McCutcheon or Duval would be great. Um and then beyond that, the Mets are also interested in Zach Britton, who has played most recently for the Yankees, has been injured a lot recently, but did play with Buck Showalter in Baltimore. He played under Buck Showalter there. So he would be someone that I think would be an appealing name to bring in probably on not much more than a minor league deal or if it's a major league deal, maybe something that's very low annual and maybe like incentive laden. But the, there's still some good bullpen pieces out there. And we've talked about it the last few times. Nothing's really changed much, but you still have Andrew Chafin out there. You still have Matt Moore out there. You still have Michael Fulmer out there in regards to bullpen pieces. So like we were saying earlier – the Mets are probably not going to get another star before the season starts, but now is a really good time where you could kind of round out that roster. Their bullpen is looking pretty good. I'm pretty excited for it. I like the additions of David Robertson. I'm happy that the Mets brought Adam Adovino back and Edwin Diaz back, and they've made some shrewd moves on the waiver wire uh, via the Rule 5 draft, via trade. So I'm happy with what they've done. But there's some other guys out there that would be really good that I think could really help fortify the rest of the bullpen. And I know I've mentioned it the last couple podcasts. I really like Matt Moore. I like Andrew Chafin. You'd have a couple good lefties out there with Brooks Raley and if they were to bring in one of those two guys. Zach Britton throws lefty too. I didn't realize that. Yeah, Zach Britton is a lefty. He's someone too who I think is a a totally fine lottery ticket pickup. That'd be totally okay with me. And if he doesn't work out, if he's like a Dellen Batansis, then okay, it's really not a big deal, especially if you're not committing that much money to him. I know that I'm not saying that the contracts would be the same with Batansis because the Mets did give him whatever it was. They gave him like $9 million or something like that. I don't think Britain's going to command that much, but I was talking more so the fact that where it's like, if it just doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. So yeah, I think that 
maybe maybe you see the Mets acquire someone via trade that's big, but I think at this point it's probably not going to happen until the deadline. And it just it does kind of stink. Like I'm not going to be you know I'm not going to bring up Correa really again, like long winded, but it does like kind of stink because we were saying last week that the Mets really did need to kind of seize the day and just they really need to pull the trigger on Correa and. Because next offseason, Otani is really the guy. Rafael Devers re-signed with the Red Sox. So there's really not like a whole lot of guys out there. Machado, I guess, could be a free agent next year. Manny Machado. But, yeah, so losing Correa does kind of loom large. But I think Steve Cohen is probably a little bit upset. I think that he probably also learned his lesson to not talk about a deal before it's done. That was like the only issue that I really had with the Correa deals that he was like, talking to the New York Post about how excited they were to get Correa before the deal was done, and now it's not done, and it's kind of come back and bite them a little bit. But I think that Steve Cohen is really going to want that other guy, whether that's at the deadline or next winter. So we'll see what happens. It'll be something interesting to monitor. Yeah, I have nothing else to add to that. All right, yeah. So, I mean, that was really it. I, I know that I've kind of been beating the – you know, really driving home the fact that the Mets need to add another bullpen piece, and I think that they will. I hope Britain's not like the only guy – but I'd be fine with bringing him in in some capacity. Wow, the, the free agent, uh, possible free agent class next year really is pretty barren. It's not good. Like, it's really not yeah, good. Yeah, uh, Otani, Machado, like, of course, uh, maybe if Max Scherzer opts out, which I don't think he will, At don't want point, Trevor Bauer. Uh, Miguel Cabrera is going to retire. Mm-hmm. Marcus Stroman, possibly. But I think, I mean, maybe. But I think we're good. I don't. I don't know. I don't think it was good for the clubhouse. Apparently, Javier Baez has an opt out. Why would he ever opt out? Oh, and he then, looked so bad last year. I can't imagine him opting out. Yeah, no way. And then after that, you have your Donaldson's, Vados, Darvish would be pretty sick. But he's yeah. wow. I didn't realize how old he was. He's thirty eight. Good for him. Yeah, he's gonna but be. Yeah. Well, he'll be thirty eight. Yeah. yeah, he was born in eighty five. I think. How about that? Yeah, no one. There's pretty barren. Conforto. There you go. Like I don't. I don't know. No one else. Oh, you know what? I'm looking at this name, and I brought him up in the last two pods, and so I think we should talk about him right now. Liam Hendricks was yeah. Uh, he announced that he was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, yeah. uh, and that obviously he'll be taking time away from the team while he gets his gets his cancer treatment and, and you know takes care of himself. Yeah, it's so hard. It stinks, man, because Hendricks seems like such a great guy and. It's just it's such a devastating thing to hear that about anybody in general, especially when they're so young. I mean, Hendricks is a young guy; he's only in his thirties, so it's you know it's scary. It's scary for anyone. It sucks for anyone, but yeah. to see a guy that's like such a fierce competitor that you see that you're so familiar with watching that happen to it's it sucks, and it's just like it's not deserved in any capacity for anyone. But I know that Hendricks is a guy who is going to be is going to come out of this stronger than ever. We'll be seeing mm-hmm. him fist pumping on the mound before we know it. And I'll be supporting him no matter what. I, I you know I'm really going to be rooting for his recovery. And you know what? I think that it's he's so beloved by the fan base, by players around baseball. So I know that that energy will really will really give him a boost 
while he's fighting this. But yeah, just really terrible news on that with Liam Hendricks. Like you just that's just really awful. That's just that's really all I could say about it. Like all yeah, my one of my favorite parts, one of my favorite moments of the All Star game last year was finding out that Liam Hendricks was Australian. Yeah, he's Australian. <laughs> He started talking. I was like, oh, no way. Yeah, I know. You wouldn't even – I mean, I guess that's kind of hard with the athletes, right? Because we don't always know how they sound, especially if, like, they're not talking to the media all the time. Like, you wouldn't know what a guy sounds like. Like, I heard Rafael Devers talk today for the first time because they just introduced him and his voice sounded nothing like I pictured it. So, but, yeah, Liam Hendricks, that's a real bummer. But yeah, the the free agent class for next year really is not good. I think Devers and Otani were really the guys, so that just makes it that much harder. And that's kind of like why I was saying that I'd be okay with maybe giving up a lot for Otani if it meant that the Mets could extend him before. Because once free agency hits, it's like you're going to probably have the Dodgers that are going to be in on him. You're going to have the Giants that are probably going to be on him. You'll have the Padres that are probably going to want to be in on him. So I think that if there's a way to get him – before next offseason, I'd welcome it in really any capacity. But yeah, that's uh that's kind of my my thoughts on the Otani situation. But Alex, we do have a really exciting thing going on right now. Oh yeah. On Twitter, on Instagram. I kind of had this idea and we were we were delaying it because we were waiting for the Carlos Correa situation to come to a resolution. But our good buddy Dom who does some graphic design work for us, helps us run the Instagram, is a very good friend of ours. He is helping us do this Mets Legends Dream Team, which I'm super excited about because, as everyone knows, Mets Legends is my baby. And I love bringing up obscure players. I love talking about them. And I think that it's so fun to talk about players and see people's reactions to those players who are not heralded but are very – well-remembered in our minds, like your Bartolo Colons and your James Loney's of the world and your Mike Jacobs of the world. So we are fielding an all Mets legends dream team each day on our Twitter, on our Instagram, we will have a poll and we are doing three possible options at each position. So for instance, today, our first base options for the dream team are Adrian Gonzalez, Mike Jacobs, and James Loney. And whoever wins will be the starter. And we'll do that for every position. And then we will do pitchers kind of in a more free-form format. We'll, we'll have probably like a 25 to 30 player options on the list. And then have take like the top five most frequently used ones. And then we'll probably do the same thing for the bench and maybe the bullpen too. But I think it'll be really fun to see like what everyone thinks about it. And, you know, we, we did do a, a Mets Legends Mount Rushmore last offseason season. But I think this will be a little bit cooler. Dom's really done a good job with the graphics. And I think that the old school baseball style video game format for when it's all said and done, the graphic is really cool. So I'm really excited about that. And I just I just love this. This is like why I started Metal Legends to begin with. I, I love it. Yeah, it's funny. Um, everyone kind of has their own obscure player that they've randomly attached themselves to like during their – Mets fandom, you know, like when we we brought up Ramon Castro last week and someone he was someone who always kind of stayed in my head. And when we brought him up, our good buddy and audio producer, Eric Ames, it's like, oh, my gosh, I caught a home run ball from him once. You know, like uh, me, I think my number one guy who I always kind of 
attach myself to is uh, Chris um, Chris Woodward. Mm-hmm. I've always liked Chris, Chris Woodward, Woodward simply because he signed a baseball. And that was like the first time I ever had a baseball player sign my baseball. It didn't matter to me that he was a bench player. I thought he was so great. And I always followed him since. And seeing him become the uh, Rangers manager before and you know, now he, you know, he's no longer, uh, he, he was fired from them, but he's still like a great baseball mind. He's someone I'd love to uh, interview in the future. Uh, but yeah, you know, everyone kind of has these guys. You would attach yourself to Lasting's Millage. That's my guy. Blasting's Thrillage, baby. Blasting's Thrillage. So this, this is fun. I, I can't wait. I'm really excited for the write-in portion of these votes too, to see what, what's coming to other people's minds. The big one today was Mo Vaughn, and I, I can't believe I forgot about him. But first base, really, what I noticed when I was making this was that first base is really loaded with Mets legends. Like I think Mo Vaughn is a guy that we could have we could have put in that poll. Um, Jason Phillips, like there's like a ton of guys that fit the bill for first baseman. But Mo Vaughn will be back. Don't you guys worry. I think that we're going to do a DH option. And while he didn't really DH as a Met because it wasn't the National League DH wasn't around at that point. Like if he was to play now, Mo Vaughn would be like the perfect DH. So and he DH during interleague play. Yeah, he DH probably for the Red Sox and the the Angels. We could always we could always do another one of these in the future. Like uh, when the one that we just posted now kind of leans more recent. It's uh, between Adrian Gonzalez, James Loney, and I guess Mike Jacobs would be the oldest one in that group from 2005. Mm-hmm. But yep. you know, we could always do future ones that try to skew more like 90s, early 2000s mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's, and that's the cool thing is that it's like everyone from people from different eras remember different players, right? So we'll see some of our older followers talking about players that they remember that I don't remember because I didn't see them play, you know, guys from the 80s. So, but yeah, it's really, I'm really excited. Uh, I think it'll be really cool. And I'm really excited for it to come to fruition. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the outf- outfield portion because you're going to have your blasting blastings thrillages of the world. You're going to have your Shinjos of the world out there. So that's going to be really interesting to see like how that outfield shakes out. I don't know who like a third one would be like maybe like Fernando Martinez failed prospect. So yeah, I don't really know. But yeah, Sean I'm really Green. excited. Yeah, Sean He's Green. only here for half a season. Mm-hmm. Or no, season and a half. Yeah, he was on the 07 team too. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so keep keep that in mind, guys. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You probably already do if you're listening to this. But keep up with us over there because we will be doing that every single day. And probably until – we wanted to wait till the Correa situation was, was resolved. So now that it's resolved, we are running it out. And yeah. So also, Alex, last week we talked about that Jeff Frank Hoare jersey on yeah. eBay that I really yeah. wanted. And I really – I tried, Alex. I tried. I messaged the seller on eBay. He was asking $60 plus shipping for it. I thought that was a little steep. I messaged him asking if he would do 40 He said no. I said, would you do 50 And he said no. And I asked him if he would budge at all, and he ghosted me. So the jersey's still for sale. And listen – I don't think there's a very large market for people that want a Jeff Frank core jersey from 2009. And $60 is probably what it costed. It probably costed that when it was released. And I know that it's new, but like, man, I really want that jersey. And this guy is just being so stubborn. 
If there are any sugar zaddies out there who want to make Whittle Wobby's day, exactly. please buy me the Frank Gore jersey. I buy want the it. Frank Gore jersey and you send it to – You will see me at City Field wearing it yes. on the Shea Bridge with – what's his name? Cowbell Man. I will be with oh, yeah. Cowbell Man and we will be hitting the cowbell together and we will be listening to Blaster Jacks featuring Timmy Trumpet and we will be eating ice cream out of a helmet – on the shade bridge, and this is all. This could all be possible if you just send me money via Venmo. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Uh, so whoever's out there, you know, link up, link up with us. Buy the jersey. Alex and I we'll, will share the jersey. He'll wear one arm, and I'll wear one arm, and that's that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, I think this. I think this makes sense. I think this makes. I think this makes sense. It does. I think so. Yeah. Listen, I've accumulated quite my collection of Mets shirts and jerseys. I own a Bill Pulsifer jersey. I mm. own a Todd Hundley jersey. I own an Edgardo Alfonso jersey. So I want to add that to my collection, that Frank Core jersey. I really do. It's great. I don't understand it. I don't understand why there's like a paw print on the back. And in the lettering, I don't – maybe he's just a big dog person. Maybe a big dog guy. Or maybe – Maybe when he first designed it, there maybe there was some type of loose animal who stepped in some paint and might have stepped on the back of the jersey and left their paw print. And he might have not even seen it before it went to the presses. It's so funny to me because Frank Core was acquired by the Mets that summer. And those jerseys came out like in the summertime. So like did they like acquire him and they were like, Jeff, you got to design a jersey. And he's like, I just got here. And they're like, I don't care. Yeah, go into that, baby. We need a design. We're, we're, we're a jersey shirt. Go into that closet with Mr. Met and design the jersey, and that's it. And he's like, I literally yeah, was just minutes. a client. Yeah, five minutes. And he opened up Microsoft Paint and was like, this is what I want. And they're like, not good enough. Get out of here, kid. <laughs> we, need, we need crazier. Go crazy. Murphy's doing a green jersey. We're not even green. What do you bring into the table, Jeffy? <laughs> yeah, that's how I imagine it went down. But uh, to be a fly on the wall. Uh, I know. If I could go back to any moment in time ever, mm-hmm. it would be that. Ever. <laughs> Did you hear that? What? Oh, so that was unprofessional me. You know, um, Samson, I, I was doing my impression. I was yelling and Samson got all upset. So he jumped up on my lap and I held the mic up to his nose and he started sniffing it. And then he kind of hit it with it, swatted at it. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah. I think we should leave that in. I'd we'll, vote to, we'll I'd vote to leave that in. Yeah. Yeah. Samson is now part of the pod. That's all. That's it. It's okay. It's cool. Samson and, and Dan O'Brien. Dan is sleeping right now. Dan Dan gave up on his ambitions to be a podcast co-host today. That's fine. You know, um, I, I admire that of Dan. Sometimes you have to know your limits. Yeah, absolutely. You got to just, t- you know, take the L sometimes. So, Alex, let's remember some guys – I want to do it a little different today. If you're okay, mm. if you're up for a game, okay? I'm up for it. So I want you to think of a guy. All right. I will and you I will then ask you 20 yes or no questions or <sighs> a maximum of 20. And you will tell me yes or no and then I will guess what player you're thinking of. Holy cow, this is so fun. Okay. You like that? I think yeah. it could be a cool thing. So, take a second, think of a guy, and when you're ready, just let me know. I'm ready. I got it. You're ready. You came prepared today. Okay. So you know your guy. 
Question one, is he from – did he play on the Mets in the 2010s? No. Was he a position player or a pitcher? Is that a yes or no question? Was he a pitcher? <laughs> yes. Okay. Was he from the 2000s? Yes. Was he on the 2006 team? Yes, I think. Was he a starter? 2006, 2006. Yes, he was a starter. Okay. Was he acquired via trade? Um, No. He was not. So he came up through the system. Yes. Okay. He was on the 06 team. Was he a rookie in 2006? Yes. Mike Pelfrey? No. Oh, okay. All right. Can I keep going? I thought it was too obvious. He was the first person that came to mind. I went with the second person. <sighs> so you were thinking Pelfrey too? He, he came to mind first and then I went, uh, no, too, 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 too obvious. All right. Can I keep guessing? Keep going. Keep going. You said 20 questions. It hasn't been 20. I also haven't been counting, but it hasn't been 20. I haven't 20. been counting either. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, it's fine. It's a, it, they're our rules. So 06, he was not a rookie, you said, right, that year? He was a rookie oh, he was. Was it Phil Humber? No. Oh, man. John Main? No. I, I figured I – know, I know that he was acquired, but I just figured I'd throw it out there. He was a rookie in 06. He was a starter, you said, right? Mm-hmm. Wow, this is stumping me a little bit. I'm trying to think of like who who else would have been. Oh, Brian Bannister. Yeah, it was Brian Bannister. Okay, yes, he's the only other guy that I I remember from that 016 that was a rookie because they had a lot of veterans. Brian Bannister, that's a good rookie. Yeah, that's a he, good legend. Uh, it, um, I I think I'm I'm drawn to guys who become major league managers. Yeah, Brian Bannister. He was with uh, the White Sox, right? When he did he coach with the White Sox or Kansas City? Let me check because maybe was there a second Brian Bannister? Well, his dad was. Oh, well, his dad was Floyd Bannister. I remember seeing a Brian Bannister. Like I'm looking at his Wikipedia and I don't see anything about about managing, which is maybe it wasn't updated. Let me see because I I swear I remember him with like the Royals or something. Yeah, I think I think he did coach uh, Brian Bannister. That's a good one. Yeah, this is one of those names that I think. Uh, I had I had forgotten about him for a while, and then one day, who right now he's the American director of pitching for the San Francisco Giants. Okay, so he, but I think before that, even he was either with Kansas City or he was with the Royals. I know he played for the Royals too, but I know that I think that he, I think that he also coached with them, maybe. Yeah, I think I think that happened. Okay, I just uh, you know we'll. We'll get there, but yeah, I think I think he wound up coaching because I remember his name coming up and in, in like oh Brian Bannister coaching for the Royals. I was like oh no way, and then that's why when Chris Woodward wound up coaching, I was like whoa wait a minute that's two former Mets and Miguel Cairo. He managed the he ma- he was the interim manager for the White Sox this past year. Yeah, Miguel Cairo and and uh, did Sandy Alomar Jr. ever manage for like the Nationals? He was – he coached. I don't know if he ever managed. He was with Cleveland, I think, Sandy Alomar Jr. I think he Yeah, he I just remember him them. being the bullpen coach or the catcher – the catching – the bullpen catcher or something. So, Alex, do you want to do the same with me? Would you like to do – I won't pick an obs- a really obscure guy. Yeah, don't do really obscure because I'm not – 
I'm not on your level. Which is fine. Yeah. I, I know that this is a different scenario. I wouldn't I wouldn't make it very difficult if you want to do the same that I just did. Same game. Okay. Well let's do it. Okay. All right. Give me a second, I'll think of a guy. Two hours later. All right. I'm ready. I've got the guy. Okay. Did he play from the years two thousand through twenty ten? He did not. He did not. Is he in the twenty tens? He is in the twenty tens. Is he a pitcher? He is a pitcher. Okay. I'm sweating. Did he play in twenty twelve? Not with the Mets. Is he a starter or is he a starter? He is a starter. Did he play on the World Series team? No. Was he on the twenty sixteen team? No, he was prior to I'll give you a hand. He was prior to the World Series run. Prior to the World Series. Was he a lefty? He was a righty. Bobby Parnell? No, not Bobby Parnell. He said starter. Starter, yep. Starter, right. He did I think he did try to stretch out as a starter at one point. He did. But he came up when would, he was a rookie, yep. Yeah, but that I don't think that sh- that would count. I would be pissed off. Uh um, Starter, righty. Was he a back end of the rotation guy? Yeah, he was kind of just like an innings eater at at that at the point when he was on the Mets. Did he come up with the Mets? No, he did not. Okay, Bronson Arroyo. Not Bronson Arroyo. That dude was ugly. I'm sorry. He didn't. He, he didn't have to catch that stray. <laughs> he didn't have to catch that Bronson, stray. Bronson Arroyo is punching air right now. <laughs> so his ears are ringing so hard. Yes, please. So he was on the 2014 team. 2014 team. Okay, that yeah, that's a that's a good hint. That does narrow it down. Okay, 2014 is more. I could think of that. Okay, um, so as an innings eater, didn't come up with the Mets. Did they trade for him? I believe that they just picked him up. They picked him up as a free agent. 2014. Trying to think of all those 2014 starters. Let's see. Degrom came up that year. Matt Harvey was rehabilitating. Wheeler, I don't think, was in the rotation. Innings eater. Innings eater. Bart was. I mean, no, it wasn't Bartolo Colon because he wasn't. Sean Markham. That's a good guess. It's not Sean Markham. I'll give oh, you is no- it Jason Vargas? No, he's later. Not Jason Vargas. I'll give you another hint. So he was at one point a very highly touted free agent from overseas. Daisuke Matsuzaka? Yes, you got oh it. Oh, my gosh. He played on the 14, 2014 team. Yeah, oh my Dice, gosh. Daisuke, you got it. Nice. Oh, thank, thank you for that. Thank you for that last uh, hint. Of, of course, yeah. So, he, I mean, he's someone who like – like you were like, was he a back end of the start? It's like, yeah, but like they also didn't, they weren't that good that year, the Mets. So, like, was yeah. he a back end starter? I don't know. Like, they got him like mid season. So, a lot of those questions I ask them. And then, like, after I ask them, I'm like, if you said yes, it wouldn't have made a difference. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Matt anyway, Zaka, guys. He had like back to back 18 win seasons, right? With the Red Sox. That sounds right. Yeah, I mean, when he first came up, like oh seven, he was he was great. He was really awesome. Yeah, he had like his his numbers were super identical those first years, and then his shoulder just kind of went, and that was it. 
Yeah, he he just like yeah he kind of fizzled out. By the time he was with the Mets, it was he was not the pitcher that he once was. So sad. I I hate. I, I always root for pitchers, particularly. I mean, Flushing has a very big um, international population. A lot of a big Asian community, and I remember when Daisuke signed with the Mets. Like the next day, there was like a bunch of people at City Field wearing Daisuke Matsuzaka shirts, and I was like, "That's awesome!" Yeah, they were supporting their guy. I loved it. I would love a Matsuzaka jersey. I would wear one right now. That'd be a fun one. That'd be a fun uh, obscure one. I, I was a big fan of Matsuzaka. My worst fear is that I'm going to look up a Daisuke Matsuzaka jersey and the same guy that's selling a Jeff Frank <laughs> jersey is selling a Matsuzaka jersey. And I message him and he's just like, he's just like, no, with a heart. <laughs> he found a niche in the community where he's like, oh, there's a, there's a need. There's a, there's a, there's a desire for these obscure jerseys. I'm going to, I'm going to get all of them. And he just yeah. goes to all of these Salvation it's Armies. Price gouging. Price gouging, getting like these getting these jerseys off of Facebook marketplace for $5 and selling them for 200. Yeah. What a, what a, what a nerd. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. This is our first episode where Alex and I are using improved mics. Please let us know what you think of the content. We will be releasing episodes every single Saturday. There is a link on our Twitter in our Instagram bio, but if you want, we are on Spotify. If you want to look us up on Anchor, that's the what we use to distribute our, our podcast. You can always find our episodes there. But pretty much everywhere that you can find our podcasts, we are. So give us a listen. Share it with your friends. Share it with your mailmen. Share it with your grandma. Gram- We're a very grandma-friendly podcast. We're really not. I mean – like we kind of are, maybe. Hook maybe us up. A, Take that aux cord and play it in the car. Play it at the bar. Yeah. Hack play into it, a touch work. tunes machine. Yeah, play yeah. it at work. Yeah, touch tune machine would be awesome. You get a lot of bang for your buck. You get like $2 to play in a whole episode or something. That'd be cool. Yeah. Anyway, peace out, guys. We'll see you next week. Peace out, everybody. Take care. All right, producer Eric, jumping in for a sec before we close out this episode. The boys had a little flub of their intro uh, that I had to edit out, but they asked me to put the outtake back in because all of us, me included, found it um, pretty hilarious. Uh, So I'm going to roll that right now, and hopefully it gives you a nice laugh. What's up, guys? This is Rob Pearsall. It's okay. I think that we don't yeah, have to stop we'll, recording. We'll just keep, just we'll just keep going. Eric will, then, Eric will edit it out. Uh, Eric, scrap that last part, you motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, Eric, motherfucker. <laughs> you're you're in the wrong, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Regroup okay. here. <clears throat> um, action. Uh, take two. Start rolling. Action.